All right, good evening to you guys. Uh, back in prime time here with the uh, True Sun Exteriors Weekend Recap. Sometimes I get a little bit confused which show we're doing because uh, we have one every day, but this is the Weekend Recap presented by True Sun Exteriors and Interiors. Mitchell Forty, fresh back from Lexington, Kentucky, is going to join me in just a minute. I am Gabe DeArmond. We're going to talk about Mizzou, Kentucky. We're going to talk about some other things that happened in college football, which, uh, speaking of which, True Sun Exterior says that sometimes the guy you thought was right for your job can't get the job done, so you send him to your rival to the south and wish him the best, and then he kicks Texas's ass on national TV, and uh, everybody gets very fired up about him. We'll talk about that a little bit, but the new guy comes in and completely smashes expectations as Eli Drinkwitz has done at Missouri, at True Sun Exteriors and Interiors, they can save you the pain of making the mistake in the first place and having your remodel look like a pigsty. They'll get it right for you the first time. Voted first place in the home remodeling category by Inside Columbia Magazine, the best of Columbia issue. They've got the number one team in the business. Call True Sun today at 573-442-7292. We don't want to start there. We'll talk eventually about some other things that happened in college football. Um, I think, Mitch, we want to start with, we want to finish this show up so we can go finish watching the AFC West be the best division in the history of football on Monday Night Football tonight. Yeah, that's it's. I don't know how exactly it's going to happen, but I think somehow both the Chiefs and Broncos are going 17-0 this season. Sounds good. We'll, we'll have the uh, Bridgewater-Mahomes matchup in, uh, in round one, and then they'll both end up hurt, and it'll be Chad Henney and, and Drew Locke dueling for, uh, <laughs> dueling for a spot in round two. Um, but it, for real, we're obviously going to spend a little time talking about uh, Mizzou and Kentucky, and uh, Chris Rodriguez picked up, 14 more yards while we were having that uh, little intro chat. He did win a SEC Offensive Player of the Week this week, which uh, so. obviously fairly deserved since he had two, but 207 yards and three touchdowns. It's not a bad day at the right. office. Really should have been four touchdowns, although also in a sense, actually in a more real sense, should have been two touchdowns because one of those that he scored, he actually fumbled in alignment or covered it. But right. Yeah. It, still, that was uh, weird to me remains. that he got that touchdown. What's that? That was weird to me that he was given that touchdown. Yeah, I think it was one of those where they were like, uh, we could review it, but we know the end result anyway is Kentucky scoring, and this game's already taking four hours, so let's but, not, which I appreciate it. But if you're Kentucky's right guard or whatever, like that was your <laughs> chance, man. That That's It's true. not going to happen again. Yeah, maybe he can like petition the SEC to like, you know how baseball in baseball sometimes they like rescore, you know, because yeah. stats obviously you don't matter very much for arbitration and all that. Maybe he can <laughs> petition the SEC to rescore the game. There you go. He, he needs that on his stat line when Todd McShay is reading about him next day. <laughs> That's right. But uh, but no end result. I mean, I I don't know. You were there. It looked like Kentucky just kind of ran the same play about twenty four times. Yeah, I mean, yeah, not. Not totally, but yeah, I mean a lot. There, there was that stretch where it, it was, uh, gosh, I think it was the second half, maybe it was the second quarter. I don't know. It all just runs together. But they ran the ball like I don't know, something like 16, 18 straight times, and probably 12 of them were the same play. Yeah, and Drink was said after the game, it's just inside zone over and over and over, and until yeah. Mizzou could stop it, which it just couldn't do. And yeah, I mean, obviously the biggest takeaway is just that 
Missouri pretty much got dominated on both lines of scrimmage. And, and that wasn't a huge surprise. You know, we thought that might happen coming in. And it's really hard to win a game when that happens. And Missouri almost did. They almost yep. found a way. But in the end, you know, if you can't stop the other team's run game and, you know, you let them get a tackle for a loss and a key third and one and a sack and a key third down late in the game, those types of things are going to be over to, tough to overcome. Yeah, and and want to invite all you guys, questions, comments, whatever you've got, put them there. We're, we are going to get to them. I see a few rolling in while you're here. Hit the, uh, the like button and the subscribe button, all that. Uh, if you're listening to this on the podcast after uh, – after it's recorded, please uh, subscribe and leave us excellent comments on the podcast and tell us how good of a job we do. If you don't believe it, that's fine. Just say it anyway. We don't really care. If, if you think it's true, we just want you to say it. Um, so there's been a lot of talk, obviously. I mean, Missouri has legitimately the worst Power 5 run defense and maybe the worst Power 5 overall defense. I feel like maybe there was one team that was worse than them, but they're in the discussion through two games. Um and so a few people are getting a little bit restless with Steve Wilkes, but here's, here's what I want to know. Um, maybe you know more about football than I do. When you are getting beat by basically, like he said, the same play over and over, this isn't a scheme issue. They, I, I mean, when you're getting beat by an inside run, that's not a scheme thing. There's no defense in football that is designed not to focus on the inside run. This is a, their guys were just a lot better than our guys. Yeah, I largely agree. You know, a few points. One, uh, Mizzou's defense, and this particularly its run defense, has been really bad. And I'm not here to make excuses for them whatsoever. I mean, there there are none to be made. But I don't think they're going to end the season as the worst run defense in the country. You know, they did they did actually play a team that is known for its offensive line mauling people and running the ball well. You know, that's what Kentucky has done for a really long time. And the fact that they added a quarterback who can throw actually makes it easier to do that because you can't just stack 11 guys in the box like Mizzou did last year. Two, um, you know, there's... I'm sure, you know, and we're going to talk to Steve Wilkes tomorrow. I'm sure he's going to say there's some things that, you know, they could do different from a scheme slash teaching standpoint, you know, a coaching standpoint. Um, obviously, you know, Missouri's defense has gotten better in the second half in each of these past two games. So, you know, there were some sort of adjustments made, which, you know, bodes well in the fact that they made adjustments, but maybe not so much in the sense that uh, clearly that things were not the, the way they needed to be going in. But for the most part, yeah, I mean, I just saw, you know, I saw defensive linemen getting moved aside very long ways for to make these holes. I did not see linebackers getting off blocks. I saw them over pursuing, you know, not filling holes like that's not something that, you know, they're, they're designed by the scheme to not be in that place. That is right. a Kentucky player being more talented and moving them out of the way. So, yeah, I thought that was by far, you know, my biggest takeaway and, and the biggest uh, concern is just the, the, the lack of talent up front for Missouri. Right. And, and Ed brought up a good point. I mean, Kentucky has six seniors on offense, you know, quite a few. It, there was a lot of talk about two NFL potential offensive tackles, all, all that. So, that is a team that that's what they wanted to do. They also had a chip on there. Like people will ignore this, but they were pissed off about last year and, and they thought Missouri out tough to them. And they wanted to show that, that that was not representative of the program they built. And they certainly did that. Um, but it, it, Justin Ferguson, you know, brings up the basic point, and that is pretty clear our D-line and linebackers are just a bunch of guys, and Kobe Whiteside benefited from Elliott being beside him. And so there has been this debate, and I, look, we don't have access to the All-22 film. I, I haven't gone back and watched the game or anything, so I can't tell you for sure 
if it was more the defensive line's fault or more the linebacker's fault, there are smart people on our site who have played the position who are saying it's more the linebacker's fault, so I will believe them. But either way, like we're talking degrees of blame here. Neither one of them was any good in that game, and frankly, neither one of them was any good in the in the Central Michigan game either. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, first to, to Edmund's point, like, yeah, that I, I definitely recognize that. Yeah. You know, yeah. Kentucky had more experience on the lines. And that goes back to the point you made. Like, this wasn't a surprise to us. You know, we said coming into the game, Mizzou is probably in trouble along the lines of scrimmage. And those who thought Missouri was going to win either just ignored that fact or thought somehow, you know, Eli Drinkwitz could come up with a magical scheme that, that overcomes that. And that's hard to do at football, especially, on you know, on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, you know, you know, Kentucky's recruited on the offensive and defensive lines really well for a really long time, and they've built up the talent and the depth, and that's the 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 end result of that. As to the the linebackers and defensive line thing, uh, I actually am curious to, to see what Steve Wilkes has to say about that tomorrow. There's a very good chance he just says, you know, all of the above type of thing, but I, I, I'll ask, you know, see what he has to say. Um, I, yeah, in real time, I kind of thought it was probably more defensive line. Um, but like you said, I mean, like when you're watching a game from the press box, you're, you know, I'm trying to write stuff down. I am not getting any replays. I am, you know, watching it one time through. I, I definitely default to people who think it's, it's more linebackers and also clearly both were not doing something right. I mean, like there were a lot of holes where there was no defensive lineman in the way and there was no linebacker filling and no one touched the guys until they were quite a few yards downfield, depending on which site you look at, you know, Kentucky had somewhere in the neighborhood of 170 to 185 yards of rushing before contact. That's not great. And I I think here's what Missouri is missing. A a great linebacker is the equivalent of like the 6'10 dude standing at the rim in basketball, right? Your, your guards can get torched on the perimeter, and the guy that's a great shot blocker can still block the shot. Missouri the last two years had Cale Garrett and Nick Bolton, who covered so many mistakes, whether it was by the guy next to them or the guy in front of them. There were a lot of things that were done wrong, and, and this is not me talking. This is people around the program have said this. There were so many mistakes that people that aren't watching every single possession or, or, or going back and looking at film never knew were mistakes because Cale Garrett and Nick Bolton were there. Whatever Blaze Aldridge and Devin Nicholson are, they aren't that. They aren't Nick Bolton, and that's not insulting to them. This is part of the reason we said coming into the year, Missouri is really going to miss Nick Bolton, and they have. And I, I think there's two things that, that would really concern me if I'm a Missouri fan or if I'm Steve Wilkes going forward. First of all, there have been games, you remember that Wyoming game where they missed like 23 tackles. And like that was very easy for Ryan Walters and Barry Odom to say, look, we we missed a million tackles. And if we do that again, we're going to lose. But there's a pretty basic explanation there. Missouri missed nine tackles on Saturday. So did Kentucky. So there's no difference there. The second part is, they're already playing everybody. I mean, I don't know where the solution is. Devin Nicholson got pulled for a decent portion of that game because and Chad Bailey played 17 snaps. If you're Jamie Petway or Will Norris and you're not playing, you know, I mean, they would have tried you if they thought you could fix it. The defensive line, they're rotating a bunch of dudes up there, and it's not getting done. So I don't really know... I guess my point is, yes, they're going to get better. They're not going to be the worst run defense in Power 5 football. 
but I'm also not sure how much better they can get this year. Right. This is just part of, you know, how we've talked about that. This team has a ceiling right now because of its talent. You know, they're, they're not going to play as good of running teams as Kentucky. And so they're going to be able to they're over, play you know, overcome one. it to an extent and, and overshadow it, you know, with other things like, you know, that when they play Georgia, yeah, Georgia's going to line up and run it down their throat every single play. We knew that they, they weren't going to be Georgia. Texas A&M will probably do the same thing. They're not as talented as those teams. And that's, you know, the, the race Eli Drinkwitz is trying to, you know, the challenge he's trying to, to rise to right now is to, recruit to the level that that's not just you know a, a given in those games but yeah um you know I, I i agree that the linebacker situation is is clearly pretty bleak i mean you know chad bailey came in and and you know he he actually was a guy who he was in position once or twice totally missed on the tackle you know and and you know what there was one particular i think it was maybe a play it was either a play kentucky scored or a long game that got him down there where he just clearly ran right past the hole just overran it. and I, I could see it really well from the press box and think i texted you about it but yeah i mean like i i agree that the, the coaches are not in the business of you know playing the guys that like, there's not someone better on the bench who they're like, Oh, we're, tr we're trying to save him for Boston college. I will say right. I would expect to see some more rotation, um, especially against SEMO, oh, obviously, week, yeah. because you should have the opportunity to see if uh, the other guys can help you, you know, maybe even throw Damian Wilson in there. He got, he traveled right. this past week, Jamie Petway, you know, I mean, at least see what you got in those guys, but yeah, I don't think the, you know, the chances of, of them, they're all of a sudden being a linebacker or a defensive tackle who we, we didn't know about just all of a sudden, showing up and changing everything that that's not gonna right. happen this and year. don't get tricked by what happens this weekend either i mean if you hold simo to 18 yards rushing you should hold simo to 18 yards rushing you know uh and stewart stewart west brings up the point that i have been bringing up really since the preseason and uh, you know not a ton publicly but mitch i think you'll vouch that that we've been saying i mean yes these guys are all back but i mean they are what they are they're the fifth-year players, and this is not exclusive to Missouri or exclusive to the defensive line, if you had already exhausted your eligibility and you took another year to stay in college, it was because you weren't going to be an NFL player this year. And so, you know, that doesn't – hey, there's a lot of good football players that aren't NFL players. And, and I, we need to be clear. Like, we're not trying to pile on individual college kids here. Um, there was a lot of company on Missouri in contributing to this. We're not singling out anybody, but the front six is clearly right now the part of the team that has to get better if they want to be better than about a six and six football team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I think this also goes back a little bit to the fact that, you know, in this day and age, we, we can't really watch camp, especially parts where they're actually yeah. doing, you know, live action. And so when people say like, oh, yeah, we got all these people back on the defensive line, it's going to be the strength of our team. Like, we're not going to come out and say publicly, like, no, no you're, not. You're, you're that's right. wrong. These guys aren't any good. Like, I mean, we're not, I'm not I'm not going to argue with Steve Wilkes when he says that right. he knows a little bit more about defensive football than I do. So, you know, yeah, I mean, like, it's just, you know, it's one of those things. It's another a reminder to you know take things from camp with a grain of salt and even but even though you know like we we said you know at least privately you know at least thought about the fact that mm, well we'll see a lot of these guys haven't done it in the past i will say there's been a few that if you know disappointed and again i don't i don't i'm not interested in, in you know trying to pile on these guys like you know they i'm sure this loss is a lot more you know painful for them than anything i would say but like 
Kobe Whiteside, you know, you, you thought, okay, there's, yeah, he could be better because he was hurt a lot of last year, right? And he was good the last time we saw him. But it, I think it turns out a lot of that had to do with Jordan Elliott drawing two defenders every play. You know, Darius Robinson, he was hurt all of last year, you know, maybe when he's healthy, but that just hasn't really materialized. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, at this point, uh, I, I think the best the best hope for improvement on the defensive front is, you know, Makai Wingo and the, the, the guys who are redshirting this year, you know, develop within, within a, in the program and within a couple years it gets better yeah so and um you know the 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 back the secondary it, i thought it was okay against kentucky i mean they got beat a couple times wandale robinson's gonna run by some dudes i i think the one part the one time it was fair to question the scheme is i think it was like third and 11 and they've got chris abrams drain one-on-one on wandale robinson with no help over the top now i don't know if that's what was called or or there was you know, it's fair to question that, but hey, at some point, you got to put nine dudes in the box or eight dudes in the box because they just keep running it at you. So, um, right. Uh, let's let's switch over then to the other side of the ball. Um, and and you said, you know, unless Eli Drinkwitz can just magically come up with this phenomenal scheme, and I want to say, I was pretty impressed with the game he called on on Saturday. I mean, he he got them. Only completing, I think, one pass over 20 yards down the field, he they racked up some offense, and he was doing some things in that game. I thought it was a very well-called game. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. Also, but I did want to point out from your previous point, uh, like – I didn't think the secondary was a huge reason Missouri lost the game. I just thought they didn't have someone who could cover Wandale Robinson. I'm not sure anyone's going to have yeah. someone who can cover him. He's really good. Yeah. Um, he on the other side of the ball, yeah, I, I thought Missouri called a good game as well. I, like, like I, the reason I know that is because when I think back of like you know assessing afterwards, like hmm, what's something that like made me scratch my head in real time? It's a very short list. One of the only ones is they didn't give the ball to Tyler Beatty on the first possession, but he still got it like 26 or, times or so. the last possession, uh-huh. by the way. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, no, I, I mean, you know, there's people who are concerned about the, the deep ball ability of Bazelak, and, and I don't think that's ever going to be a strength, but, you know, Drinkwood said after the game, like, look, you, you can't do that against Kentucky, and especially when you spot Kentucky at 14 nothing late, because right. then it's very easy to just say, we're not going to give you anything downfield, you're going to have to sustain drives, and that's a hard thing to do, and something Missouri struggled with against Central Michigan, you know, they were 1 of 11 on third down, they did it pretty well against Kentucky. I don't remember the exact number, I want to say maybe 8 of 13 on third downs against Kentucky, something like that, you know, fewer negative plays. Um, yeah, I thought Connor Bazelak played a, a very solid game. The tight end stepped up, which was nice to see. You know, I, I really, frankly, had never seen a, a game like that before from either Daniel Parker or Nico Hay kind of delivering in some big spots. And obviously Tyler Beatty, I mean, you know, really, if you want to question one thing about Eli Drinkwitz to this point in his tenure, I think it's just, why didn't you give him the ball more last year? He's yeah, good. For sure. He is leading the country in yards from scrimmage, 196 per game. Uh, he's going to be a thousand thousand guys sometime in the next couple of weeks. Um, but I want to go back this this deep ball stuff. I I think people just focus way too much on it. First of all, yeah. who's getting open deep on this team? Like I I mean I'm not trying to be rude. Boo Smith did the first play against Central Michigan, but. Who do you see here that you go, he's beaten SEC secondaries and get like Dominic Lovett, maybe eventually. He's played two college games. Um, you know, their other guys are Kiki Chisholm and, and Towski Dove are not burners. Um, but it's kind of like we we fall in love with the the home run in baseball, right? You know what? 
there's a lot of what like I saw a team win the World Series and they never hit home runs, dude. They just hit like 27 singles and waited for the other team to screw up. And there's not an asterisk on that World Championship banner. It still counts. And I think I think people are a little bit confused about what Eli Drinkwitz's system really is. It's a lot of motion before the snap to confuse people. And it's a lot of side-to-side stuff. You're going to see a lot of jet sweeps and bubble screens and misdirection much more than you're ever going to see his quarterback lining up and throwing the ball 60 yards downfield. I mean, I think that's what what his scheme is a little bit. And that doesn't mean they won't take a deep shot. But I'm not sure that that is like the staple of what he does. And I actually came up, I'd be interested to see what you think of this. I came up with this theory um, completely on my own, actually, this morning. I wonder if part of the reason that's the scheme is because he has only really been a coordinator at places where, let's be honest, the other team has more talent a lot of time, right? He was a coordinator at NC State. They're probably out-talented in a good number of of, uh, ACC games. App State faces a lot of teams with more talent than them. Right now, Missouri has less talent than a lot of teams. So you have to come up with some of this trickery and misdirection and some of the things he does before the snap because you can't just line up and traditionally beat teams, you know, running the football at them and throwing 60-yard passes. Yeah, I think your your theory probably holds a bit of weight. I think, you know, he, he did have some talent at NC State, certainly. Oh, Ryan yeah. Finley's in, is still a backup NFL quarterback. Naheem Hines, Jacoby Myers, uh, all in the league. But, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think a, a large part of it is just, you know, stuff he, he picked up from, from Gus Malzahn and his high school roots, and then he's added on it as he went, and he's adapted it to his personnel. I mean, you know, the, the offense looks a little bit different this year with Tyler Beatty in the backfield than it did with Larry Roundtree last year. That's smart, uh, smart scheme, smart coaching. Um, yeah, I just think I think it's become one of those things that like, you know, it got talked about and now everyone notices it. And yeah, it's like, you know, something fun. You're like, oh, I want to be able to I, like I want to think maybe on this play we're going to go deep and then they don't and people get disappointed. But like also, if you try to go deep every play and it doesn't work, then you're stuck with, you know, the, the what Josh Heifel's yeah. offense looked like when it wasn't going well. Three and out, put the defense that obviously is struggling right back on the field and get scored on again. Like I, I think that, you know, I think he's generally adapted the offense to its strengths. And uh, I don't think it's a, a knock on Basilak to say that he can, you know, accurately get rid of the right. ball and quickly and sustain drives. That's actually really a thing that most college quarterbacks struggle with more than completing those downfield passes. You know, yeah. does he have the arm to be a first or second or third round NFL draft pick? Probably not. Can he be a very good college quarterback exactly as he is just, you know, as he continues to get experience? Yeah, I would think so. And, and honestly, the one, the one that I remember the first play of that last drive, right after the block field goal, which yeah. by the way, I, I thought Chris Abrams drain was scoring and I'm pretty sure Chris <laughs> Abrams drain thought he was scoring, Yeah, but, um, The very first play, I don't remember who the intended receiver was, but they took a deep shot. And, like, as he threw the ball, I said, I don't like this because you're putting yourself in second and ten, and you've got to go score a touchdown here. Now, they ended up getting a first down. It didn't kill them. But, uh, you know, I I just think we focus way too much on that part of it. Um, But, look, Basilak played well. Beatty is a star who you hope only has to have, like, four carries this weekend against SEMO. Because he yeah. is he is playing eighty six percent of Missouri snaps, and it's really stuck out to me. I wonder if Eli Drinkwitz just likes to have one guy. Because last year, 
We spent all year. Eli Drinkwood spent all last year saying we got to play Tyler Beatty more, and they never did. And now this year, Tyler Beatty's actually playing much more than Larry Roundtree was. The problem is they don't have anybody even playing the amount that Beatty was last year. Yeah, I don't know if he just you know gets in a rhythm and wants to keep one guy. Or well, I I honestly believe his plan was to play other backs more. I mean, you know, maybe I shouldn't take him on this word exactly like you said because he did say all last year we want to play Beatty more. But I mean, he spent a lot of time hyping up Elijah Young and saying you know we need other guys in that backfield. Um, I just kind of think I I wouldn't be stunned honestly if it's one of those deals where. They didn't, they didn't know exactly how good Tyler Beatty could be until they threw him out there in these roles, and it's like, oh, wow, I guess we should keep him on the field because not a lot of people right. can do what he's doing. I mean, like, they would have been silly to take him off the field at Kentucky as long as he was out there because he was the one guy on your team that, like, you know, he, I mean, he wasn't Wandale Robinson, but he was the closest thing Missouri had to that, where you could just give him the ball and let him make guys miss and make a play, and he did that over and over. So, yeah, I, I kind of think, you know, I, I the coaches obviously wouldn't, I don't think, say this, but I wonder if in a moment of candor they would admit like yeah he doesn't do in practice what he's been doing at these games like he we we, he surprised us a little bit well and the other thing that look i would have to go back and and look and and i might do this before next week but it's also possible that elijah you know when they're saying hey elijah young this is your series he's going out there and getting one yard on first down and Missouri throws an incomplete pass on second down and then comes up short, and they go three and out, and that was Elijah Young's series, and they didn't do anything, and now the next series is Tyler Beatty's series, and that one happens to last 14 plays. So maybe that's why mm-hmm. he's getting a lot more of the snaps. Uh, who knows? But um, I feel like I, – I don't know. I don't really have anything left to say about Missouri's game in particular. Do you? Um, No, not really. I mean uh, – Disappointed yeah, I like for we... Grant McInnes. He's only 5-1 and one in whatever they call this game. But. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We, I don't think we have a name for this robbery. Now, the atmosphere, I will say, was was pretty good. Um, you know, I, I mean, I think part of it was just, you know, first, uh, first like, real SEC game that yep. any of us, you know, including me, has been to in a, in a while. But it was pretty much a packed house. Uh, a lot of traffic in Lexington, I can tell you that, <laughs> getting, to, getting to the stadium. It was loud. I thought that the noise definitely, you know, it played a role at times. I think it made Nico Hay fall start on that play from the one that ended up, uh, you know, ended up not mattering. But it was a, it was a good little atmosphere. It was, it was uh, cool to be there. You know, Kentucky fans seemed fired up. But, yeah, I mean, from an analysis standpoint, I feel like between our written and spoken word, we've pretty much covered it. Yeah, um, I do too. We'll get to get to some more stuff around college football here in a minute. But uh, speaking of pretty much covering it, nobody's going to cover your home remodel like Trusun Exteriors and Interiors. They are not only going to do anything you need around your house, they root for Mizzou on game day on the construction site. Their integrity, ingenuity, and attention to detail is what sets them apart from their competition. They believe in delivering a high-class experience to their customers and True Sun Exteriors and Interiors. It's not just a name, it's a passion. You can get in touch with them at 573-442-7292. They have uh, done a lot of things. Maybe I'm just going to start crediting them with like building the South End Zone Complex. Do you think I can do that? They built the Eiffel Tower, that's what I heard. Excellent, excellent. Eiffel Tower, South End Zone Complex, and your house. Those are the three things that they will will improve. But um, around elsewhere around college football, I think in the SEC, it's fair to say the biggest story was uh, Arkansas welcoming Texas as the, you know, 11th best team in the league. 
Yeah, yeah, I was uh, surprised to see that score. As, as usual, I have to say that, you know, I watched almost no college football that wasn't Missouri's right. game. I watched uh, a good amount of the Oregon-Ohio State game, and that was it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just a, it looked like a, just a complete beatdown from Arkansas. So uh, I know that a lot of people took joy out of that after Texas basically blew up the sport to get into the SEC because they thought they were better than everyone else. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, I started that game thinking, I don't know for sure who I want to win. It did, I mean, I didn't actually watch it either because it was the same time as Missouri, but it's always fun to see Texas lose. I, I mean, I, I, it doesn't really matter who they're playing, you know. Um, I, yeah, Ohio State – look, Ohio State and Clemson already have a loss two weeks into the season. Like, hallelujah, could we get somebody new in the playoff maybe this year? I mean, it's a little maybe. early. Oregon looked pretty good, and I, I think with this win, Oregon's probably able to get in with one loss. I mean, assuming, you know, you uh, like, I would be pretty surprised. if it, They would have to win the Pac-12, I would guess, because, they, they, you know, the committee puts importance on being a conference champion. But even if they were to slip up to, like, a not horrible team, like, they couldn't lose to Washington State probably and be or, okay. But, or Washington, like, if they, apparently. Right, if they were to fall to, I don't even know who else on their schedule. If they play USC or UCLA or something, one of those teams, maybe even Stanford, who looked suddenly competent last last week and then they still win the pack 12 like i think there's a very good chance they get in so that would be fun um or yeah. or they might what? i don't know might end up just being like eh, no they lost the game let's just throw like three sec teams right. in oklahoma in there we're rooting for the plucky underdogs oregon and georgia to crash crash the playoff party this year that's where uh that's where college football is um I don't know. Uh, Vandy won a game, so good for them. Yeah, I didn't think was that was going to happen. I know that just just from perusing scores. I mean, or, the Oregon thing was surprising, and also surprising because, like I said, I watched that one how it happened. They just actually looked like the far better team. It, yeah, which, it didn't uh, even. It I seemed like that shouldn't have been a seven point game. Yeah, um, Stanford, like I mentioned, so just destroying USC out of nowhere. Uh, Vanderbilt won. That did not see that coming. Although, from what I understand, Colorado State's also very bad. Um, yes. Jacksonville State beat Florida oh. State. There's that. Ooh. So no matter how you're feeling after this past weekend, Mizzou fans, there it, it could be far, far worse. So That's, that made, that made uh, me think of, you remember the 2018 Kentucky game where inexplicably – uh, you know, Kentucky's on like the 35 yard line and Missouri's defense was just line up 10 dudes at the goal line. And we're all like, yeah, hang on. Why did they just give them like 19 free yards? Well, Florida State actually did the exact opposite. Jacksonville State <laughs> had to go 60 yards and they put nobody back like they had single coverage on a dude that ended up breaking two tackles and going into the end zone. Yeah, that, that was spectacular. I mean, that's a defensive coordinator getting fired. Uh, Texas A&M. Almost lost and lost their starting quarterback, maybe for a little bit. Missouri yeah, actually could so, get a host of backups here because Boston right, College uh, yeah, is backup. Yeah, we should touch on that. Yeah, Phil Jerkovic is, is looking like he is almost certainly out for Boston College, and then Haynes King, uh, very good chance he's not back for Texas, uh, Texas A&M. So that, that might improve the fortunes of the Missouri defense a little, although, I mean, they're also going to have to make those guys actually pass, and to do that, they'll have to get a little right. better against the and, run. And, you know, there's the whole backup quarterback thing that, yeah, necessarily always yeah this actually that that little just like past one minute might have actually made Mizzou fans feel worse about those two games 100 percent. just pretend these guys are the starters all along I mean they are going to start that day it's not like they will come in unprepared um not for any amount of money could I tell you who Boston College's backup quarterback is by the way um uh, Andy Dalton he went to BC right <laughs> No, he went to TCU, Damn. so that wasn't really. They had another guess. guy that was like, I don't, oh, Matt Ryan. That's who I was thinking yeah. of. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I knew there was an NFL quarterback that went there. I gave it a shot. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I don't know, man. 
I feel like yeah. this this week it's awful. Like they play Simo, and I refuse to mm -hmm. talk about that. Yeah, if we want to talk about it at all, it would be Wednesday, and uh, yeah, there's not too much to say. So yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, like just state of the SEC. You know, Alabama is still uh, by far the best. Georgia looks really good. I don't think Florida's that good, but maybe they have a little bit of a chance to. to you know, I mean, they've they've put up good numbers. They've put up good scores, but they've played yeah. bad teams. So we'll see. We'll get a, a look That's at them this week. Um, other than that, I, that's what I wanted I to ask know. you: is Is it possible Kentucky's the third best team in this league? Yes, I think I think that's absolutely possible. I said after you know immediately after watching that game that I thought they would be they would push Florida to be second in the East for sure. And whoever's second in the East is, is probably third in the league. I mean, you, you know, A and M maybe, but they they looked so bad. This I actually watched a little bit of that game like, too. The first half and they looked terrible. So I think Kentucky and Ole Miss are probably both top five in this league. Yeah, yeah, I think or at least right there. Yeah, for sure, and definitely top six. Be. Yeah, I think that that Kentucky Florida game, if I'm not, and I could be wrong, but I think that one's in Lexington, and so that would that'll be interesting. Kentucky fans will definitely be fired up for that one. Yeah, I mean Kentucky's a solid one in 33 in their last 34 against Kentucky <laughs> or against right, Florida. Yeah. So <laughs> they could they could use a win there. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, all right, so Eli Drinkwitz tomorrow, Steve Wilkes tomorrow night, and uh, we should have all the answers by this time on Tuesday. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be curious to see what they say. We'll uh, we'll update the site, you know, updates on the board, stories, et cetera. So keep yeah. it locked. All right. Well, thanks for following along here, everyone. And uh, obviously tomorrow we will have uh, full coverage of Missouri's media opportunities. It'll probably be a lot about coming off of Kentucky and not very much about looking forward to this weekend's opponent, to be quite honest. Uh, I want to thank one more time True Sun Exteriors and Interiors they can help absolutely absolutely anyone looking to upgrade their new or existing home. Uh, Texas maybe rethinking that new home. They might want to stay in their old home uh, just like it is right now. But sometimes you just need a professional to come see your space and help make it work for you. The team over at True Sun Exteriors and Interiors voted the best of Columbia 2021 when it comes to home remodeling. The their experienced team can do it all. It's not just a name, it's a passion. True Sun Exteriors and Interiors. Call them today at 573-442-7292. And I will be back with Sean Williams on Tuesday morning with the recruiting show. And then we're off to Media Day tomorrow afternoon. So thanks for watching, guys, and we will catch up.